Welcome to the Goal Crazy Podcast. We explore what it takes to reach your crazy goals. I'm your host, Jason Vandeveer, and together we're going to learn to take life to the next level in Goal Crazy. Let's get started. All right. Hello. Welcome to the next episode of the Goal Crazy Podcast. This episode I'm really excited for. We're going to be able to talk about leadership. And today I have with us somebody who's really going to give us a lot of guidance on it, Jim Moran. And Jim, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hey, how you doing, Jason? I'm happy to be on here. Yeah. So I I do a little bit of leadership mentoring and podcasting on the side of of my consulting business that I that I kind of run so the consulting business kind of uh is what I do full time you know uh, project management supply chain design consulting business so with that I have to lead projects and lead teams without mm-hmm. any direct reports and that comes with you know 20 years or so of of corporate leadership experience as well. So yeah, I just have a fun time sharing my thoughts and ideas about leadership and management, uh, people management, you know, with really people who ask. So yeah. um, What sparked your interest in this? I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're self-employed, you have a consulting business that works well for you. What sparked the interest to where you said, I want to go add something new, right? On the side as mentoring people on leadership. Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. The main thing is I'm a, a soccer coach for okay. a long time. And I don't know if you've ever tried to coach. This was girls soccer too. And I really learned a lot from coaching girls soccer how to... Um, what age was uh, this? Is this I'm like sorry? little girls? Is this like uh, your your child soccer team? Or is this like yeah, high school yeah. girls coach? Yeah, exactly. I have, I, have two, I have two daughters and I coach them from really the age of like three And their friends until they got into high school. And then I handed them off to high school. So I was coaching girls that it was not just the fundamentals and the techniques, but we're really trying to make leaders out of them. I always tell them to be a leader on the field. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't need to come to me and look at me to understand what to do next. You know, if anybody's familiar with soccer, it's not like football where you're looking over to see what the next play is. You got to think on on your feet and everybody's playing a, a role. You know, you, you don't want your defenders going up and trying to score goals because now you're not playing defense, that kind of stuff. So, and really trying to get the most out of them was really a fun learning experience. And mm-hmm. a lot of things that I used, got from that, I, I put towards leading teams. And uh, near the end of my corporate career, I was a global, global manager of a sourcing team. And it was interesting how many things I was able to pull from coaching soccer, being a team leader in that kind of sense. And a lot of it isn't just leading the girls. It's the parents understanding how to get the most from the talking to referees, uh, which is something I needed a lot of work on. Um, but, uh, we'll do lots of parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, I figured it out near the end, but, uh, the stuff I was able to take from that and apply it to the corporate world was really interesting. You know, you can't coach, you can't lead everybody the same way. So you kind of have to adapt right? Some girls, you can, they need that pressure and you got to know when to ramp up that pressure and really, you know, energize them to get them going. Other ones, you got to be kind of like chill and be like, Hey, that's cool. You know, you did a great job, but maybe, you know, next time we need to try this. Or in some cases I try to pick their brain and say, Hey, what did you see out there? I'm a center midfielder by trade. And I'd ask the center midfielders, what did you see out there? Cause those are like the quarterbacks on a soccer field. And I'm like, what did you see out there? And then I kind of learn from them about what they saw. And then I say, all right, well, maybe in this situation, maybe pop it out or something like that. So you, hmm. you deal with different people, different ways. So that's something that I've applied that way. And even hmm. vice versa, 
what I've learned being a, a global manager, applying it to dealing with, with um, you know, soccer teams and, and, and players, you know, kind of goes, went back and forth. And then my girls are in high school now, or one of them's in college, one of them's in high school. So they left. And then I still had that coaching knack and desire to really help people. And if, I had quite a few people actually reach out. So once I ended my career in the corporate world, a bunch of people kind of reached out and asked me questions about really they were new leaders or people that wanted to become new leaders. And I saw a lot of potential in them. So I just kind of had conversations with them, took them under my wing and said, hey, this, these are some things that I worked on that really could help them get the confidence to be a good leader, you know, um, as opposed to just a manager. You know, I say there's a difference between a leader and a manager. A manager is just someone that's there to do performance reviews and uh, check boxes that, yeah, we've done this, yeah, we've done that. A leader is someone that's actually, you know, leading a team forward, leading them to a successful year, helping them grow as, as team members, you know, to one day go off on their own, just like the soccer team girls. I knew one day they'd go off on their own into high school and they had to be prepared for that. So... So that's the same kind of approach I always took to corporate leadership was support your team and make sure they're ready to grow because they're going to leave your team at some point or sometimes you're going to leave the team and they got to be ready to, you know, function on their own. I like it. So it's really by coaching your daughter's soccer team. It sparked your interest in leadership and then you started. Did that kind of spark you to go start learning more about leadership as you started going through those or did it just kind of bring it out of you? Yeah. How did that come about Start learning the skills of a leader? That's a, that's a great question. It's kind of both. I'm an engineer by trade and, you know, scientist, so I'm always learning. So part of it was learning some of the books behind me, you can see are some really excellent management books and leadership books, but also taking what uh, I had some about five really great managers throughout, you know, my 20 years in the corporate world and taking the best parts of all of them and kind of putting them into one. And when I first became like this global leader, you know, I first became a manager, a leader of one person. I, I kind of, before my first day, I kind of wrote down what are the best aspects of all the managers I've had before me hmm. and what kind of manager do I want to be? And so how can I incorporate those kind of values into the kind of manager I want to become? And I found that really helpful. I put the main, I put it down into a, like a sentence and put it on a post-it note on my computer monitor so I could see it every single day. So it'd be a reminder of this is kind of what I want to be. As Do you mind sharing with us what some of those aspects are? Yeah, absolutely. Be honest. The first one was be honest. There's You're working with really smart people, so there's no point in BSing people. You really want to be honest and you know truthful to both your team, uh, your manager, um, and the people you're dealing with because it always catches up to you anyway. And, you know, you really want to build trust with your team. And one of those ways to build trust is to be honest. Another one is show up, right? You really want to make sure that when you schedule a meeting, a team meeting or a one-on-one -on -one with your team, that you're there. And if you can't make it, you know, make sure you either reschedule or at least decline the event and say why you can't make it and why you'll try to reschedule it kind of thing. So. We've all been in those kind of t Teams meetings or Zoom meetings where people accept the meeting and then you show up and either half the people aren't there or the main person you want to talk to isn't there. And now everybody's kind of sitting around wasting their time waiting for people to show up. So to me, a big thing was showing up and being there. Um, and if 
for some reason you can't be there or it's a last second, hey, I'm stuck in traffic or I'm stuck in this other meeting, making sure you're communicating that out. You know, So they reliably know that if you say you're going to be there, you're going to be there. To me, that's really big in, in building trust. An- another good one I've gotten from a manager was a leader moves roadblocks. So their main goal, um, this is what she told me, her, their main goal is to move roadblocks. So your team is trying to go down this path to the finish line of the project and something's there, right? You don't want to be a roadblock. You want to be the one that can help them lift that roadblock out of the way, whether it's escalating to certain department managers or calling up a supplier on the phone to say, hey, how can we get this done? Get this so that we can move forward. This is why you're holding this up kind of thing. Be the one that's moving those roadblocks for them or at least guiding them how to get around the roadblock to keep them moving forward kind of thing. So another one told me, yeah, so be the one that moves those roadblocks. I like that. Yeah. Very good. What do you think when you're working with different people, you brought up on with the girls in the soccer field, different strategies work different for different girls, right? For different people in general. Yeah. How do you feel like you start to figure out what's going to motivate that individual? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Let me try to put that into words. A lot of it is instinct was instinct for me with doing that for many years. But I've gotten it wrong sometimes. I, I remember one time actually making a girl cry because I thought I was doing the right thing to kind of push them harder. And then she started breaking down. And of course, I felt completely awful about that. But that let me recalculate like, all right, th- I went too far and I told her that and I apologize. And she said, no, that's fine. But, you know, it's not something that I want to do. But generally, you, you really have to get to know the people. You have to get to know your team to understand what motivates them, what their purpose is. Sometimes they don't know what their purpose is. Sometimes they don't like how they fit in the team is really helpful to to understand. So, you know, if you leave in a corporate team and you got to be clear on what your what your goal is for the year, what what moves your team forward, what's going to be a successful year, right? You really have to define what's going to be your successful year. Once you start with that, then you can develop goals and behaviors around that to get you there. And from there, you can figure out which after a while you'll understand which kind of motivation techniques get people there. Some people you realize quickly, you don't have to micromanage. You don't have to f- check up with them. They're going to produce every single day, right? You can um, check their online metrics or where they're they're recording their data. And it's always there and it's always correct. And it's just reliable. Other people, you kind of have to prod a little bit and in, in, in follow up a little bit more frequently and just say, hey, did you get the uh, report ready? Um, no. Is there any way I can help you simplify it, make it easier and that kind of stuff? It's really getting to know your your teammates and getting to know your team and each one individually. So usually when I start out, it's a little bit more f- frequent one-on-ones with those team members, just to kind of find out what they're about, see if they understand the purpose, how they fit in the team, how our team fits in the, the company, how the team makes the company successful, and then how they can make the team successful as well. And mm-hmm. same thing with the soccer analogy, you know, if someone's really good at putting the ball in the back of the net, I'm not going to put them back in goalie because we need those goal scorers. And if someone is really strong at leading a team and passing and can run all day, they're really effective as like a midfielder kind of thing. So you want to make sure that you you understand their capabilities and how they're built in terms of mentally built in terms of how to kind of support them to help them be their best, but also how well they can take kind of criticism. In my book, you can always, it always helps to be nice. 
you know, it's never helpful to be screaming, but we all get uh, emotional sometimes and that can happen. But, you know, you have to kind of take a few deep breaths and remember that in the end of the day, we're all on the same team and we're all trying to have the same, we're all trying to do our best kind of thing. So, so that's kind of the, the key that I have is yeah, just really get to know them. I usually ask questions about like, where was the last vacation you took? How often are you taking vacation? You know, and uh, if they're working remotely, it's like, what's, what's your situation at home? Like, do you have distractions going on and how can I help eliminate those distractions and that kind of stuff? So just get to know your team. I like that. Now, uh, when you're talking about you need to have defined goals for them to work towards and for the business to be working towards, do you typically give your teammates the goal that they should be working towards or do you have them set that for themselves? Right. That's, that's great. So both in a way, the first thing I always do is make sure we understand what it means to win. So if we're talking annual goals, what's a successful year going to look like? December 31st, 2023, what is a successful year? What does this look like? So I um, help them define that, help them paint that picture of a successful year. And from there, we figure out the goals. And, and it's a big battle that I fought a lot was meaningful goals towards just what I call lazy goals. So lazy goals are the ones that you know most large businesses give you to attain. If you're in sales, it's dollars of sales, right, for this year or revenue brought in. If you're a manufacturing site, a lazy goal might be number of products out the door, but those don't necessarily point you in the right direction for winning, right? For sales, you want to have, you want to grow your business, you know, with profit. So if you have profit numbers tied up in there, that might be better. For manufacturing site, you can pump product out all you want, but if it's not profitable product or if it's coming back because of poor quality, you haven't really accomplished anything. You're not moving forward. So you have to kind of figure out the meaningful goals and dig a little bit deeper. So for an example of a team that, that I led was a global sourcing, a global sourcing team in charge of designing supply chains for new products, right? Uh, so we there started with a concept of a product and we had to develop the supply chain, all the suppliers, figure out who the suppliers were going to be. And, you know, so that when it's time to launch the product, they can push a button and the suppliers are delivering. So I could say, let's just make sure we source all the parts, right? And get our projects done and, you know, press that button and we're good to go. But that's not really the case. We had targets of like, let's make sure that I measured them percentage of target cost or estimated cost versus what our actual cost was. A lot of people would do just total savings. And that's not really helpful because that's dependent on so many outside factors. Like, did our sales guys sell enough? That our engineering group did a good job designing the product so that they want, you know, uh, the product in the at the end of the year. Or like, say there's something like a global pandemic that shuts everything down. That's going to affect those numbers that we couldn't control. So we made it so it was a percentage of target costs versus what our actual negotiated cost was. And that way, that was one item we could control ourselves. It was independent on how many we sold on, you know, by the end of the year, whether the project launched on time because of, say, engineering mishaps or quality issues later down the road, right? So make it meaningful that, and they point towards where you want to be, what a successful year looks like. Yeah. So lazy goals, really, it's just to get past the lazy goals is to give it a further level of clarity or like, yeah, not just the profit, but, or it would be the profit, not the revenue. Like, uh, yeah, why do yeah, we Yeah, exactly. That? Exactly. A lot of people, I mean, how many 
I've talked to a lot of people where they say, oh, crap, it's, you know, it's January 1st. We got to get our goals in. And they just mm-hmm. come up with the same thing they did the year before without evaluating. Was this meaningful? Was this helpful? Does this really help us move forward? They don't spend the time to really think about it. Um, so one of the things I really did was really try to think about it, get my team to think about it and play a role in it. And that was for the team. But another thing that I really fought hard for my team was for them to do one growth goal. And it was something where they came up with this on their own. They would pick out a goal on their own that they would want to do. For instance, someone wanted to be a better project manager. So one of their goals was to take a few project management training courses and had nothing to do with their current position per se, but it was something they wanted, they were interested in. They wanted to grow in that sense. So I made it a goal in our corporate sheet and it was one where we had to follow, you know, we had to check in every quarter and make sure that they're moving forward. And that was always the goal that would fall behind was the personal one. But that's why, I, you know, make sure we do your quarterly reviews or whatever you're making sure that they are advancing that one and help them support them to do that, those growth goals as well. Because uh, again, it shows that you have their back, that you have their best interests. And if they end up becoming so smart that they leave your team, well, that's awesome because, you know, you, you're helping somebody kind of grow and, and be a better person. And to me, that's the ultimate goal of a leader. Mm, I like as that. I say, yeah. Uh, yeah, as I say, be a runway and uh, watch them fly. Yeah, it's like I feel like lots of uh, trainers would say like, well, people will say, well, what if they, what if I train them and they leave? And the trainer <laughs> says, you know, what if you don't train them and they stay, right? It's Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, exactly. You want them to be trained. Yeah, I like having yeah, the smartest true. people as possible on my team. Uh, I don't know about you, but I like having smart people on my team. Yeah, it helps things. When you're setting those goals with your team, and maybe they are, you know, maybe they're not necessarily their growth goal, but the goal that you're going to, that's going to move the business forward as a whole. How ambitious of a goal do you set with them? How do you find the right balance between this is just way too big that I'm challenging them too much versus you're not challenging them enough? Yeah. So a great read on this is John Acuff's finish. Um, And I've found this to work for me. So, and I've discussed elsewhere about stretch goals. So they're they're two different Mm -hmm. things. Um, I hate stretch goals. I really do. Those are setting you up for failure. John Acuff says the opposite. If you have a goal of, say, reading 100 books a month, I'm sorry, 100 books a year, cut it in half, make it 50, right? And that way, when it's, say, August and you've read 50, you have that momentum saying, wow, I did this. And in a lot of cases, you end up performing that or better because you had that momentum because it's a lot, it, it seems a lot more attainable kind of thing. Or if you're supposed to do something in a certain amount of time, say you you know you want to do something in three months, double it, make it six months. That way you you're kind of guaranteeing that you're going to get that goal. That yeah. Well, meanwhile it's smaller, but at least you're getting that win. In a lot of cases, it becomes overwhelming if it's just this is what we think we can do, and then I'm going to stretch them a little bit. It becomes too overwhelming. Nobody thinks they can get it done, so they don't even really bother starting on it. It's not one where you're excited to get going on it, working on it every day. So, so I'm one of those that make it meaningful and then and attainable and kind of cut it back a little bit because I would rather have you go, say, 80% than try to shoot for 150% and then only reach 50% because you're not really working on it because you already know you're not going to make it kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I hope that kind of makes sense the way I'm explaining it. Again, Johnny Cuff does it a lot better, but it's about momentum and being able to believe that you can get it done each day. So if you have too big of a goal, 
say it's a daily goal of of submitting five applications a day, that's quite a task and it's quite time consuming. But when when I was without a job for nine months, I had a small goal of submit one application a day. That's all it was. And so, and that's what I did. And I went on a ton of interviews, was close in a lot of them, traveled to Alabama for one and didn't end up landing them. This was post COVID. And, and because I did that, I didn't end up getting one of the jobs. None of the 95 jobs that I applied to daily, I didn't get a single one of them. But because I did that and I tracked them, I was able to figure out, put two and two together. Wait, they're not looking for a long-term solution. So many people I talk to have projects. So I think more of a consulting shorter-term contract thing is for me because I can be helpful in that kind of sense. And then that's when I got started doing the consulting business. Um, It was about two years ago today when I swapped on LinkedIn over to consultant instead of searching for a job, swapped over to consultant. Next day, two people are calling me saying they need project help. And that's what I've been doing ever since. So because of doing these small little goals, I didn't get the jobs I was applying for, but I got the job I wanted. Right. Mm -hmm. So just kind of keep it small and simple and um, something where every day you can kind of work towards to, Uh, to me, that's been the most successful way of attaining your goals. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Being uh yeah, it's helpful to keep them in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Keep keep them in front of you. Yeah, look at them every day, um, whether it's affirmations or otherwise, post a notes, put them in your planner or, or whatever. Um, just kind of keep them in front of you so you know and, and keep track of it. And because what's in front of you is, you know, what you're going to be working on. And if it's in your head and then it's, you know, you're thinking about other stuff, it's never, never going to be properly moving forward towards your goal. So you got to kind of make them visual. So if you're working with the team, make it visual. If you're working on yourself, make it visual, you know, um, have something on your desk and plan it out. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think, uh, for setting goals, it, it is like hard to find that right balance, right? You want to set, you want a goal that you can achieve, but you don't want it to be, you don't want to remain stagnant. Right. Um, I know a lot of times when I'm working with clients, it's like, I almost help them focus on less, right? I think a lot of times we want to focus on like, we've got 20 different big goals. And it's like, you can't, that's just too many, right? (laughs) Like you need one, like what's one goal that's really going to move the needle. And if you can hit this one goal, it's going to be right. What's the most impactful one. And it's a lot of times by doing less, you get better results because you can limit yourself to what's most, most impactful, right? You limit. Yeah. You do the biggest one. Now, um, I don't know if I've ever helped somebody just cut their goal in half. I know, I think that can definitely be a good strategy. And I'm definitely like with goals, uh, if I got to give myself more time or this, like I'm fine with that. It's sometimes like giving myself more than enough time. I have more energy and momentum to work towards it because I don't immediately feel behind, right? Because once you start to feel behind it, that can just spiral down to not a good place. But if I feel like, oh, I'm on, I'm on track, I have time, I get moving. And lots of times I hit that goal quicker than I would have if I would have even given myself a, a really quick deadline. So I think that does make sense. But I know for me, I always want the goal to be, I feel like it has to be big enough that it's worth making big changes for, right? Like if I if I want to try and increase my income by 10%, it's like, is that really enticing enough for me to make some serious changes, right? Yeah. Or for me to take some risks. But if it's like, you can double your income, not that you need to aim at doubling your income every year. If I can increase it by 50%, like, now that might be worth me making some serious changes for versus 
it's like, hopefully I can almost just continue what I was doing beforehand and still earn 10% more, right? But if I'm going to make serious changes, it has to be worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're exactly right about that. If it's too small, it's not as motivating. Of course, you can take a big goal and then chop it into smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's kind of like a building block that way where eventually you'll get there anyway. So instead of like grow 50% at the end of the year, it's grow 10% every month or two, you know, kind of thing. You can kind mm-hmm. of break it up into smaller bits. And then now you're making the steps smaller. So they're not as, it's not as tall of a climb. Yeah. So when you're working with people, how often do you do check-ins with them or how do you keep them encouraged and motivated as they're working towards their goals, right? To still make this a fun thing and not a demanding thing like, hey, you're behind, right? Or, yeah. uh, hey, did you, you know, those those check-ins sometimes, you know, are they encouraging or are they just, ah, you know, my manager texted me because I need to submit this thing. Yeah, that's a, that's the that's the trick right there. It, again, it depends on what the goal is and and the, the what the person is as well. Really, I try to make the the goal tracking um, or metric tracking as simple as possible. So if it's mm-hmm. something that's going to take someone all day and they need to do it weekly, then it's you know that's taking away from having them work on their real job. So it's hard to work on the goal when you're spending a lot of time reporting on your goal kind of thing. So I worked really hard and worked with the team to make it a simple kind of document that's like they can update it in 15 minutes, you know, at the end of the week. And I also explain why we're tracking it. If it wasn't really meaningful to track it, if it wasn't a meaningful goal, they're not going to want to input that as well. So I had to do weekly or monthly reports on our progress, on our stats, on our metrics. So I told them, I was like, you update this document here at your leisure And then I don't have to come ping you and call you and beg you to send me your info before a meeting or something. When Or as people are asking me questions, I want to be knowledgeable about that because that represents our team in a positive light. If I can talk knowledgeable about our projects or about our project status. So really explaining why we need to do that and have it meaningful and simple to kind of update. So again, it was like, it was a shared live document on a SharePoint site and they would just go in, find their projects and just update the few numbers that could change within a week and then um, go from there with the little small section that says escalations or roadblocks. And these are the things that I need to work with because this was a global team. So some of them were in Romania, Czech Republic, which is like seven hours ahead. So they're mainly working while I'm still sleeping. So we Mm -hmm. had to have a way where we could both get meaningful information while, you know, the other one's offline kind of thing. So it takes a lot of work. It, it took me about a year to get that really situated with that team. And then for that following year, we were really humming along and constantly tweaking. So when you do it once, it's not done. You're constantly figuring out what works and what, what you know, but you, so you're constantly tweaking that. But yeah, just those, just have it so that it's real easy to update. I liked to have weekly meetings with my team, but I kept it short, 30 minutes and we just, if they had everything updated, I didn't have to ask them about it and we could talk about other things. And if, you know, sometimes those meetings will go 15 minutes and uh, I've yet to meet anybody that complains when you end a meeting early. So that's motivation right there. And then I tried to have weekly one-on-ones with my team and sometimes other calendar things happen where you're not able to do that. But uh, for me, it was helpful to have the weekly one-on-ones, but in some cases you can't do that and just kind of check in every once in a while. And a lot of times I let them set the agenda for those one-on-ones. So they come to me. So again, if the goals, if the 
tracking sheet is up to date. Uh, we don't have to worry about it. We'll talk about something else or we'll cancel the call after five minutes kind of thing. So you kind of have to figure out what works for you and for your team and for your project and for what you're trying to accomplish. Hmm. Obviously, yeah. if it's someone new to your team, you're really more hands-on and, and making sure they understand what's going on. And you, you, it's probably more twice a week and trying to help them figure out how they can be an active member of the team. Yeah, that's really good. Having weekly check-ins with them or regular check-ins, whether it's weekly or monthly. What do you think are some of the big mistakes or struggles that new managers or just inefficient managers are doing? Okay. This is a long list, right? Mm -hmm. So a, a couple of things could be, like a, one thing I already mentioned was they, they don't kind of show up to their own meetings mm -hmm. or they're constantly late to the, their own meetings. Then it's like, are we really, do we really mean that much to this? leader that you know they're kind of putting us off to the side and would rather be doing something else another thing is they have you do report after report after report and you don't know if it's meaningful or not like if i miss the report one day are they really going to notice kind of thing mm -hmm. or yelling at someone for doing a report uh, i remember hearing about one manager um, luckily he wasn't my manager that had someone every day for a week do a report so on monday he said I need you to do this report. It needs to say this, 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 and this. It was all verbal. So she went and she made the report, sent it to him the next day. Team meeting would be, I told you I wanted it like this. And it was a whole bunch of new data, different things. She spent another day doing a report, sent it to him. And the next day was like, he couldn't remember what he said the days before. It was actually, no, I need this, this, this. She spent all week on the report. And at the end of the, at the end of the week, he just kind of said, okay, thanks. I'll keep this on file in case I need it kind of thing. And it was just like, she was really frustrated because she couldn't work on her job. She was working on those reports that he didn't even really need and they kept changing. So it would have been helpful just to say, this is what I want it to look like here. I'll send you an example. Mm -hmm. um, or let's, yeah, to be clear. let's spend be 30 clear minutes working on what the, yeah. yeah. Let's spend 30 minutes working on the format that we want it to look like. Let's work together on this instead of just, here you go. So it's more like directing the team as opposed to leading the team kind of thing. Listen to how a manager talks. If they talk to other people saying, yeah, this, my team or these people are under me, you know, report to me kind of thing. That's someone that mm -hmm. that's not looking at themselves as part of a team. They're looking at them as a team that is supporting them and helping them. Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And there's a big difference in that. If you're a part of the team, you just happen to be the one that they all report to. But if you, if they feel like you're a part of the team, then they're really going to trust you and know that, all right, this guy's out for the best of us because we're all a team here. You know, if you're constantly berating or not supporting their growth or talking down to them to other departments, you know, you're talking about your own team and criticizing them to other departments or in meetings and stuff, that really shows a bad leader. And that's someone that's really just kind of a manager. They're just kind of there because people report to them. But a real leader supports their team outwardly and if I have an issue with one of my teammates, I'm going to kind of talk to them separately and say, hey, how can we get this resolved? And perhaps you're not aware, but this is how, you know, these people think that this is coming across. And a lot of times it's just a learning thing, right? Nobody's trying to intentionally, you know, perform badly. So just the way they kind of talk to their team and talk down to their team. And I think we all know leaders that go both ways. They're mm -hmm. supposed to build the team up, knock them down. Yeah. Yeah. How important do you think showing your teammate appreciation is in that sort of setting? Like, are you doing regular things to appreciate your employees or to tell them they're doing a good job? What do you think there? 
I love to celebrate wins, no matter how small they are, um, whether it's within the, the corporate team or whether it's outside. And I knew that my team was doing the core of the work um, on the project. So I made sure that that was known. So it'd be, you know, giving a report and be like, yeah, we got this done. And Claudia was the one that drove all this forward and that kind of stuff. It's interesting when you talk positive about someone either on your team or even outside of a team, it always seems to get back to them anyway. Right. So mm. compliments always go up kind of thing. It always seems to come back to them anyway. I think those get appreciated a lot more than like, Hey, let's have a, let's have donuts for employee appreciation day kind of thing. And then a general thank you for being, staying employed with us. You know, it's always helpful to have compliments go upward to management. And then also within your team, making sure you're complimenting each other. Like, Hey, so Petrus got this accomplished. So that's a really cool thing that he did. Let's congratulate Petrus on, on completing this project. Petrus, what were some of the things that helped you get this thing accomplished? Or, you know, what should we change in what we're doing so that we can also get this accomplished kind of thing? And gives them a sense of like, hey, you know, feeling good. I know what I'm doing. Thanks for the support. And, you know, sharing their knowledge kind of thing. And then course when you can obviously just send them quick notes of hey this was a great job well done um whether it's a chat or a text or an email just kind of individually but you got to mean it it's got to be something that's worthwhile and really was a good effort it's got to be truthful and honest not mm -hmm. just bland hey thanks guys thanks team for getting this done you know kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah it's good. Celebrate their wins, recognize when they do something well, acknowledge them publicly, right? When the right situations where you can acknowledge them in front of their coworkers or yeah, in front of their superiors. Yeah. Even when right. somebody yeah. ran a 5K, we highlighted it and said, hey, you know, they ran a 5K. That must have taken a lot of training and, you know, well done on that kind of thing. So even we had like a Teams chat and stuff where, we it was nothing to do with work. It was all just personal stuff. Anything you want to share, picture of your dogs, if you ran a 5K, picture of your medals or, you know, whatever kind of thing. And it was just kind of fun to do because it helps people get to know each other a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And again, celebrate the small wins. Everybody loves celebrating the small wins. Yeah, these are important. And it makes it more fun, right? When you're When you're celebrating things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know one of the things you had talked about was building trust with your team, right? What do you feel like are some things that are really important to help you? Well, like, why is that important? But then also, what are ways you can build trust within your team? Yeah, so I, I talked about a couple of them already. The yeah. one is to show up, right? And yeah. if you're really trying to build trust with your team, do what you say. So if you say you're going to talk to somebody about the situation, go talk to that person about that situation and then let mm -hmm. them know afterwards that, it's it's cool. I talked to that person, right? And we're going to work it out or whatever. Mm -hmm. But do what you say. So don't say something that that you're not going to do, right? You know, don't say you're going to clear a roadblock and then not work on it, kind of thing. So make sure you're doing what you what, what you say you're going to do. Don't overpromise as well. I guess that goes hand in hand with do what you say. But if you can say you're going to you know deliver something, make sure it's something that you know you really have the capability of delivering. Don't promise people bonuses at the end of the year if that's really out of your control. Mm -hmm. have, have their backs. If they come to you with an issue, make sure you have their back. If someone from another department's giving them a hard time about something, make sure you have their back and, you know, support your teammates and say, well, that's not really, you know, 
you know, they want them to do something that's outside of their function. Make sure you're like, well, that's not really their role. How can I help you get this resolved? Maybe there's some other department that can help you, you know, get what you need kind of thing. Just make sure you have their backs and escalate things quickly and effectively. So if they're having a problem, move roadblocks, escalate it quickly and effectively. So, you know, make sure you figure out they have an issue with the engineering department, make sure you're reaching out to the right people in that group or figuring out who the right people are so that you can get that resolved. Uh, not in a complaining mode, but in, in a helpful, hey, we all want to move forward kind of mentality. You know, how can I, how can, let's have a conversation to see how we can move this forward kind of thing. So, so, and that all, I think just along with truthfulness, just kind of helps you build the trust of your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, those are good things. So, because um, lots of the people you're working with, you're like a temporary contractor when you come in, right? And you're managing these people. Is that kind of it? So you've got to build trust with them. You're an outside person that you need to build their trust and respect quickly because you're not like a long-term manager who they work with for a decade. Is that correct? Am I understanding kind of your role as a consultant? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're exactly right. And uh, you do, you have to build that trust quickly and they're not reporting to you. So they don't have to trust you. They don't have to do what you say. So that's really a tough skill to learn. And in those kind of cases, somebody brought you on for a reason. So you've already been vetted and that's where your history and experience kind of comes in. So first of all, sharing, this is why I'm brought in. This is what I've done in the past. And this is how they feel that I'm going to be able to help you moving forward. And then, yeah, building that trust is, a, again, a lot of like talking to the team as, as much as possible. Sometimes saying, even saying things as, hey, this is my first day here. Why don't you guys lead the meeting and I'm going to kind of listen in and ask questions. And don't be surprised if I'm asking a lot of questions because I really want to learn and understand and, you know, take notes. Sometimes you have to meet the people in person in carbon-based form to really kind of develop that relationship with them. But again, it's kind of the same things I talked about before. Do what you say, show up, mm-hmm. don't overpromise, have their backs, and make sure they understand that you're on their team and that you know you're you're part of the cog that's moving that whole machine forward. Yeah, I like that. That's good. And yeah, having their back. Is- where I'm not. I'm not the expert on it right now. I'm not the expert. I'm just helping them move the project forward. So I'm tracking the actions and the timelines. And when we get behind or if there's an action falling behind, I kind of follow up with them. But these guys are the experts that know exactly what they're doing. And I don't have the capacity and I don't, they don't want me to have the capacity to understand everything front to back. I just have to help them move forward. So it's kind of that leadership in that kind of sense of, I explained that from the very beginning. I don't know what the heck you guys are doing, how it's done. You know, I don't know how the sausage gets made. I'm just helping you make sure that, you know, it's getting made, if that makes sense. Yeah. Be upfront, yeah, be honest. interesting role that you're putting. Yeah, you really have to get their trust quickly, get them to follow the direction that you're giving them and report to you. And yeah, because if they don't respect you or don't trust you, then it's not going to work for them or for you, right? Yeah, and then I ask, what can I do better? Is this working for you? And mm-hmm. take that feedback and actually incorporate it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. if, if you just kind of ignore it, then they're not going to answer that question in the future. And they realize this guy's just going to do his own thing. So, yeah, I think that's a really good question. So you ask them for feedback. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? How can I be a better manager for you? So, it, yeah, probably lots of people might not want to be that humble to ask, right? They like to just think that they're already perfect. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, having humility to ask that, I'm sure it, it gets respect of people and it helps you ultimately grow as a better leader. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I know you've been sharing lots of uh, 
tips through this, but for somebody who maybe is new to moving into a leadership role and is really looking to dive into the leadership management techniques that can help them, what recommendations do you give them? Are there certain books or resources or places to start to help them learn how to be a better leader? Yeah. I mean, obviously anybody can reach out to me. I'm all over LinkedIn. Just look, look okay. me up at um, Jim Moran, PMP. That's me. Yep. And um, my webpage, jimmoran.net. That's J-I-M-M-O-R-A-N.net. Okay. And just reach out to me from there. Uh, and I can certainly have a conversation and help them move forward. I, I'm on another podcast pretty frequently called the Catching Fire Podcast. And I'm a regular on their Leadership Uncensored with Muhammad and Jim, where we talk about the same kind of things, whatever the latest leadership topic is. And yeah, read as much as possible. I've mentioned John Acuff before, and he's really good at that uh, kind of the team mentality, setting goals, tracking goals, and uh, how to talk to yourself. Soundtracks is a really excellent book as well. And yeah, just kind of learn um, as much as possible from that. Another good one is Leaders Eat Last. Um, mm-hmm. That's another good one where it's it's about walking the walk as a leader um, instead of just talking the talk. Those are really good as well. And yeah, just find as many podcasts as you can on it um, or and or books. I do have a small newsletter I put out relatively infrequently. Just again, I, I love sharing ideas and getting feedback on those ideas and testing and then retesting and seeing what works and what doesn't work. It's just fun to kind of converse about. Yeah. I like it. All right. I'll put all those things in the show notes here. So anybody listening can find your LinkedIn, find your website and tap into the resources that you have. But uh, hey, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us today. I'm sure this is, I know this is an area I can grow in myself. I know that probably lots of people can also grow in it. And even if you're an expert leader, we're all looking to get better, right? So yeah, it's a good push to, to find what are some better strategies or things to experiment with. Because the better I can be as a leader, the better my team will be. And yeah, it's a win-win for everybody. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I know I'm far from perfect, so I'm always uh, looking to learn and, and, and understand as well. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, Jim, I appreciate you taking time out of your day and coming on here with us. And good luck with all that you're doing. And thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was fun. Wonderful. I'll talk to you later. Okay, thanks. Thanks.